Morning. How's everyone today? It's good to see you guys. It's always good to gather together as a family. And uh, we're excited about this season. I don't know if you are. I'm excited. I don't know. Something about the whole Thanksgiving, Christmas season is just special. So um, I, I, just, I just love when it happens, although it is a little crazy and all these things happen that uh, sort of, uh, they, uh, they attack your schedule. They attack your routine. And that's just life. But just the season in general is just exciting. And uh, we're going to start a new series today. And uh, the series is called Angels We Have Heard. Now, um, let me just tell you where this came about. I, I was, you know, searching for something that related to the Christmas season and, and uh, just reading, pouring through the scriptures related to, uh, to the birth of Christ and, and um, the, the announcements and his coming and, and the anticipation, the excitement. And I could not help but notice in every interaction related to Christ's coming and Christ's birth, there was an angel. There was an angelic activity. And I thought, you know, uh, first of all, we've never talked about angels before. So it's an interesting topic. It's an intriguing topic to look at and, and how, they, how they honor the birth of the coming Savior and, and uh, announce it and all that stuff. But secondly, you know, in reality, we live in a world nowadays where people are fascinated with the supernatural. You know, I mean, you, you can't help but look at the TV shows nowadays. There, there are, aside from zombies, you know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff related to the supernatural. You know what I mean? And, and there's just intrigue there. There's, there's something, it's something about the my, mystery of the supernatural. So there's shows, there's books. Um, you know, even on my wall, I have a picture uh, at my house, or at least there used to be until my wife decorated uh, a picture of angels. And the reality is we just don't know a lot about them. You know, we see their intervention. We see their activity in the scriptures, but there's definitely a mystery and an intrigue about them. So as we look at the, the birth of our Savior and celebrate that, as we, as we celebrate this season, um, I want to look at it from an angle of learning more about the angelic activity and the angelic host. And so I'm excited about this. It's just a series we've never done. And um, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, I, I understand it. I've heard about them before. I don't know much about it, and I don't want to know, you know. Or, uh, you know, you, you may have the fascination. Or you may just, you just may ignore the fact that this, there's this, this reality. I think it's important for us to know what's going on around us, you know. What's going on around us? I heard the story uh, of, of, a, of a man from China years ago going to, uh, to England. And he traveled to England. And there he saw for the first time in his life a man using a microscope. And he had the opportunity to peer into that microscope. And he was totally fascinated by what he saw because it, it revealed the things that are unseen to the naked eye. And so in his fascination, uh, he, he looked and, and ultimately bought a microscope and bought, brought it back to China with him. And so at home, he's just, he's just pumped. He's, he's showing people his new toy, you know. I mean, you know, guys, when you get a new toy, you know. And, and so he's showing people his new toy, and uh, he's putting everything under there, just, just, uh, just exploring what, 
can be seen under the microscope. And finally, he took a grain of rice, which happens to be the staple of his diet. He took a grain of rice and put it under the microscope, and he saw living, moving creatures on that grain of rice. Disgusted, he stepped back and said, what do I do now? And so he found himself at a crossroads. What do I do related to this microscope? And now what I know about rice. I love rice. And so ultimately, uh, his decision was he destroyed the microscope. (laughs) He destroyed the microscope. And that's literally, that's a lot what we do with scriptures we don't understand or we're not comfortable with. Not that we destroy them, but we sort of, we, we sort of, uh, shove them away. I just don't want to know. And you may fall into that category related to angels. You may think, wow, this is getting weird in here. You know what I mean? I just don't want to know about it. But let me just tell you something. The Bible, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, reveals the reality of angelic beings, the supernatural, the unseen. In fact, let's go to a scripture real quick. It's in, uh, it's in Colossians 1, verse 16. Because I think a lot of us sometimes think we know everything about the Bible. And we think we understand, we're mature, you know, we think we're mature, we know what's going on. The reality is there's probably a lot we don't know. But God gives us uh, glimpses into the scriptures to reveal some things to us. And we see in Colossians 1, 16, it says this. For in him, all things were created. This is Jesus Christ. Things in heaven and on earth, visible visible and invisible. You see that? There's an invisible realm. Things that we can't see with the naked eye, or at least most of us, can't see with the naked eye. there's, There's stuff going on around us. I'd like to know about that. I think it's important for us to know what's going on to some degree around us as much as the scriptures reveal. So so we want to look at the the Bible as to what it says. 283 times in the Bible, angels are referenced. 283 times. And and we see references to, to good or holy angels. We see references to bad or unholy angels. Uh, the unholy ones are the ones that, that partnered with Lucifer, uh, the, the archangel, and for whatever reason, in fact, there's things we just don't know about angels, like why in the world would you follow this leader, Lucifer, and turn your back on God? You know, and one third, we're told one third of the angels fell, they were dispelled, they're, they're now called unholy or uh, they're called the devil's angels. There's a lot of different references to them. Uh, demons, things like that. That's not going to be our focus, especially on Christmas, uh, Christmas season. But we, I do want you to know about those. And we'll talk a little bit about those um, as, as this series unfolds. But um, there's things that we just don't know. Uh, there's different kinds of angels. We don't really fully understand their, their hierarchy, their structure. But we know there's archangels. There's... There's, which are very powerful beings. There are cherubim, which a lot of, when we think about that, we think of a cherub. And some people think when, when people die, they go to heaven and they fly around as fat little babies with wings. Uh, I don't think that's the case. In fact, cherubim 
They're referenced in Isaiah, but you also see them referenced uh, as the angels that guarded the way to the Garden of Eden. These are fierce warriors. They, they had flaming swords. You know, they're not fat little babies. And then there's seraphim, which are talked about in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 6, that uh, these are the ones with six wings, and they fly above the throne of God. Um, it's just, it's fascinating. I, I do ask God sometimes to let me see things, and unfortunately, I don't see things, you know? I know a lot of people who see stuff, but I don't see stuff, or at least I haven't all that much to this degree, but, or to this, to this point. Um, but there, we, we see the Bible talking about them as powerful, spiritual, invisible beings. Invisible beings. It's fascinating uh, uh, just to learn a little bit about them. Now, you may be sitting here and you've encountered angels knowingly. You've seen them. I would say most people don't. Sometimes God opens people's eyes. They have eyes to see into the spirit realm and stuff. I don't, I don't have that happen. In fact, uh, Dr. Billy Graham, he wrote a book on angels. Listen to what he said. I'm just going to quote from his book. He said this. I am convinced that these heavenly beings exist and that they provide unseen aid on our behalf. I do not believe in angels because someone has told me about a dramatic visitation from an angel, impressive as such rare testimonies may be. I don't believe in angels because I've ever seen one, because I haven't. I believe in angels because the Bible says there are angels, and I believe the Bible to be the true word of God. So there you have it, the doctor himself. You know, Dr. Billy Graham said something powerful. But he wrote a book about angels they never saw. Based upon the scriptures and what the truth of God's word shares with us. And so uh, we, we can trust God's word that there's a reality that we don't see sometimes, you know. And there's stuff going on that we may not be aware of that could be good for us to be aware of. And so that's why I'm talking to you about this today. So I want to just sort of give an introduction to this whole idea and mix in the, the, the prelude to the Christmas story today. So one thing we want to know, we, I want you to know, and it's good for us to know is this. Angels bring messages from heaven. Angels bring messages from heaven. You'll see this time and time again. If you find yourself during this season reading uh, the Christmas story in the beginning of Matthew, the beginning of Luke, first couple chapters of Luke, you'll see that angels are messengers from God communicating to us. They're messengers from God communicating to us. And um, the, many times when, when we see this in the scriptures, they're announcing monumental, huge, historical events, a big deal. Now, what I find fascinating about the passage I'm going to share with you in Luke is this. We're going to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and their encounter, that encounter that they had. But before we get into this, um, there, there's some aspects of their life that are good to know. Um, because they, they had this announcement from heaven. Up to this point, there had been no activity for 400 years, prophetic, angelic, at least as far as we know. There, there, it, it, there was a silence from heaven. From the book of Malachi to the time that Matthew started, there's this 400 years of silence. And I find it fascinating that, that the first break in that silence was an angel visiting this guy, Zechariah. If you read in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, you'll see that this guy was a priest. He came from a priestly descent. His wife came from a, a priestly heritage as well, or 
Uh, and these were godly, godly people. And unfortunately, she was barren. So she, barren meaning she was unable to have, have a child. And they were old. They were of old age at this time. And we pick up the story at, uh, in Luke at verse 11, and it says this. So he's, actually, before I start reading it, there's one other point I want to make. Um, so he's a priest, and he's serving now in the temple. And he was chosen by Lot, which is sort of some random rolling of the dice thing, you know. Uh, not literally, but it's sort of just some random, uh, random way of determining things. But God, they believe God was involved in the, the, uh, the outcome of being chosen by Lot. Um, and so he was chosen by Lot to serve in the, in the temple that day. And he was going to make sure the altar of incense was burning. He was dropping incense on it perhaps making sure that the coals, you know, maybe restoring the coals that were burning because the altar of incense, they would drop incense on there and this smoke would go up into the air and fill the room. And it was representative, this, this smoke, this burning incense was representative of the people's prayers that were going up before God. And so they would do this two times a day right after the sacrifice at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. every single day. And he was chosen, probably it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a priest to go in and tend to the altar of incense. And he goes in there, right? And this is where we pick up the story in Luke 1, verse 11. It says this, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Zechariah. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. I just want to stop there for a moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going just about your you're doing your thing, whatever you're doing, and all of a sudden before you visibly, you see something that is utterly shocking. You've never seen it before. Probably the people you know has never, have never seen anything like this before in their lives. And, and right before your very eyes, this, this angel is standing. Uh, this is happening to Zach, okay? So when Zach, Zechariah saw him, he was startled and with, was gripped with fear. In fact, many times in the scriptures, when people have an encounter with an angel, this is their response right here. This is their response. They're, they're startled. They're, they're, they're shocked. They're fearful. And, and this, is, this is Zach's response. Verse 13, it says, But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord. This is where Jesus comes in. He's, he's the one who is, he was a forerunner. He's the one that comes before the Lord to announce the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Which is interesting. The last time the Lord spoke prophetically was when he was talking through Malachi about a person who would come in the spirit and power of Elijah that would restore the, the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And this is the first voice in 400 years 
spoken through an angel. So he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, here you are, Zechariah. You're an old man. You're way past the age of childbearing. Your wife's past the age of childbearing, sort of like a picture of Abraham and Sarah, you know? It's just this miracle of miracles. And you have this encounter. I just, I would love to share his entire story because it's amazing. But the short story of it is he comes out of that, that encounter and he can't speak. He had an issue with faith because he had this encounter with an angel and he didn't believe it. So he began to question the angel. And so the angel's like, okay, man, you know, you, you, you're not exhibiting faith. You're, you're going to be, you're not going to be able to speak until... This child is born. So he comes out. He goes in probably expectant, excited, probably a little fearful. He's encountering this angel. He comes out of the temple, and all he's doing is sign motions. And he might have tried to move his mouth a few times, but there was nothing coming out. I mean, this guy had an encounter. And my hope is that we have encounters with the living God, whether it be through angels or however. Um, But... Everything changed for this man from that day forward. It was based upon the announcement that the Lord had sent an angel to give to Zechariah that day. So we see the angels bring messages from heaven. We'll look into this more as as we move forward. But that's one thing we need to know about them. You you may encounter one someday. And that angel may have a message for you from heaven. This is biblical. This is, this is what we see in the scriptures. Time and time again, we see angels delivering messages to people. So that's not the only function or role that they have, though. Another role is this, that they worship God. And I want you to see this. This is so beautiful and powerful. In Revelation, verse 5, verses 11 and 12, it says this. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Actually, I multiplied that out. That's, that's 100 million. Now, if, it, if that's a literal, uh, 100 million angels were worshiping God. I, I mean, it could be more. It could be, you know, that might just be sort of uh, a, a way to show you the great, the great number. But here they are. They're, they're before the throne, it says, encircling the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And so here they are. They're worshiping God. They're just, they're just adoring him and loving him. Now, this may sound a little weird, but I swear to you, I, there's been times I've been worshiping God in this place, and I felt like there was choirs of angels joining. I, I felt like I heard that. I mean, it might be all in my head. I, you know, I, I'm willing to admit that. A little crazy sometimes, but... Uh, I swear to you, it sounded like there's no way that that that, that sound, you know, I mean, we, we only have a few people singing and uh, on the stage at times, and all of a sudden it sounded like choirs joining, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And you want to hear something a little bit even crazier than that? Uh, I've heard people tell me, you know, that not only did they hear them, but they'd seen them in this place, you know? And I'm like, that is awesome. 
I want that help around me. I, I want that presence of God around me, you know? I, I want God intervening in our activities. And if he uses angels to do that, I welcome that, you know? I don't worship, we don't worship angels. But, but being aware of their activity and their presence, I, I think is, 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 is a good thing. It, it's wise. I think it's, it's a good thing to be aware of what they do as well. So, so they worship, they worship God. And I believe that they joined, if, if my experience says anything, it's not biblical, but I believe that they joined with us as we worship God. We even see when the announcement to the shepherds, an angel makes an announcement to the shepherds about the Savior who has been born, right? And then it says that there was this heavenly choir singing. The angels experienced that. Remember that? We'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But it's just so powerful uh, what's going on, this activity in the heavenly realm that God gives us just subtle glimpses of. So they worship, they worship God. They bring, they bring messages to mankind. They, they, they speak to us, uh, a message from heaven to us. Now, when does, when does, I can't answer this question, but here's a question to ask. When does God speak directly to us versus use an angel to send a message? I don't know. I don't know. But the reality is he, he does both. He does both. It's a both and thing. He speaks to us directly. His voice is still small voice, audibly sometimes. And then other times he may send an angel to bring a message. This is what we see in the scripture. So uh, they, they also not only worship us and bring messages but they are also sent to serve us. In Hebrews 1, very important verse, very foundational verse, verse 14. Verse 14 says this. Are not all angels ministering spirits, and they're sent to serve those who will inherit eternal salvation or inherit salvation from God? They're ministering spirits. A spirit is, is that without a body, right? And they minister. They have a function or a purpose. And they're sent with, that, with a purpose to serve us. So you have angels that are assigned to serve you. Angels are assigned to serve you. To do things for you. Well, what, what does that mean? I mean, what does that look like? What, what, what really happens when an angel is serving me? I'm glad you asked. Because I think I have some ideas about that. Um, here's one. They, they protect. They protect God's people. In serving them, they provide protection. I heard this story. Uh, this is an old story from the 1800s of a missionary named John Patton. And this guy, John Patton, he and his wife went to a, a place in the South Pacific Islands. There's islands uh, between Hawaii and California, like in, out there somewhere. And uh, he, they went to this, this mission field, he and his wife, about 20 years after two missionaries had landed on the shores of this island and were eaten by the natives. They were cannibals. I mean, they literally, minutes after arriving on the island, were killed and eaten. And this guy, you know, he, against all the counsel and, and all that stuff that he was provided, 
he and his wife were, were in unity to say, yeah, God is calling us to go there. And so this guy, he goes, he travels there, and, and they land, and it was very hard ministry time. And, and the natives were very much opposed to their work there. And he describes one story of being in a tent on the, on the shore of the beach. And he said that, that their, their tent was surrounded all the way around. There were, uh, you know, they heard the people, they were dancing, they were yelling, and they knew that um, these, these natives had come to kill them. And so they just fell to their knees and began to cry out to God and began praying. Say, Lord, we don't, we don't know what we're going to do, you know. But here we are. We, we feel like you sent us here. Here we are. And, and so they're just, they're just crying out to God. I mean, their life is on the line. I'm sure there's a lot of passion in, in their, their voices. And, and they're just united as a husband and wife, very powerful. And uh, all of a sudden, the noises began to die down and ultimately stopped. The, the noises stopped, the, the, you know, the threats, the, the dancing, the celebration that was going on that, uh, that caused them to feel like they were about to die. It ended, and they didn't know what happened. A year later, the chief, the chief got saved. The chief got saved, and they began to ask him a question. You know, do you know when all those people were around our tent? And, uh, you know, they were sure ready, getting ready to attack us. And they left. Why, what happened? And the chief said, you know, because you weren't alone, because of all the men that were there with you. And he said, what? It was just my wife and I in the tent. He said, no, there were hundreds of very, very large men with sparkling uh, uh, clothing on, standing armed around your tent. And we decided to leave. See, angels, angels protect us. Angels protect us. Look at Psalm 34, verse 7. It says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You see, the Lord has, has a desire to protect his people, and he uses angels to, to, uh, to accomplish that, to protect his people. Now, you remember when Jesus, you may remember this story, but Jesus uh, was in Gethsemane, and all of a sudden, this band of people came to arrest him. And one of his, one of his disciples cuts off the ear of, uh, of the guard, and all of a sudden, Jesus said, put your sword down. He said, don't you know that I could call to my father and I could have 12 legions of angels here in just a moment. And that signifies Jesus' awareness of the fact that angels were sent to protect him. He, he could have had angels there to protect him, but he was, he was born for that moment. And so we see that angels are powerful beings sent to protect us. They serve us. How do they do that? They, they protect us. Not only do they protect us, but they strengthen us. I don't know if you've ever been at a point in time in your life where you felt so weak, you're so tired of fighting, so unable to go on in life, so past the point of your own strength. And we see this in Jesus' time in, in uh, Matthew verse 4. In this, in this section of time or in this passage of time, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. 
He'd been fasting for 40 days. He was out in the desert, and, uh, and, and the angel, excuse me, the, the devil, Satan, is, is uh, tempting him. He's tempting him to, to give in, to give up his destiny, to give up his dream, to give up uh, God's plan for his life. And, and he comes at him a few different ways, and Jesus uh, refutes these attacks or these temptations from the devil by quoting the scriptures, right? But after that moment in time, we find in Matthew 4.11, it says this, then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Angels came and attended him. They ministered to him. They strengthened him. They, 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 they served him. And that is a picture of angelic activity in our lives. You know, I, I believe this firmly. If, if angels were sent to serve Jesus, they're sent to serve us. Right? Because we're, we're, we are assigned to do the work that Jesus did. They're sent to serve us. They're sent to minister to us. They're sent to strengthen us. Well, what does, what does that look like? I mean, well, first of all, you don't pray to angels. You, you, don't, you don't need to pray to them. But, it, but angelic activity is activated by our faith and our relationship with God. And so as we begin to cry out to God, as we, as we ask God to move on our behalf, there's many times he'll dispatch angels to do, to accomplish what we've asked of him. Angels do his bidding. Are you with me so far? Is, is this too weird? Do I need to just end the service? Or? We good? Okay. All right. So, so angels are real. Billy Graham believes it, and that's all that settles it. And uh, all right. So no, they, they, uh, they serve us. They serve us by protecting us. They, they serve us by strengthening us to help us accomplish uh, the task that, that God has given us. But that, that's not the end of it. They, they serve us by executing God's plan for us. I want to show you a couple scriptures to help make this make sense to you. You know, we're on assignment from heaven. There's a lot God says about us that many of us sometimes struggle to personally receive and believe, you know? That we're kings and princes and queens and we're the apple of God's eye and, and, and we are sent to accomplish the work. You know, Jesus said, greater works will you do than I have done because I'm going to the Father. And so we have this mission on earth that it'll be on earth like it is in heaven. And so God has this plan, and some of us, you know, many times we grapple with that idea, like, how could he use me? How, how could God have his eye on me? How could God love me? And, you know, we look at ourselves with disdain, and we struggle with the reality of who we are, but that doesn't change, change God's plan. And to add to it, you know, we have an enemy out there who, who is opposed to us accomplishing anything for God. You know, he wants to convince us that we're worthless, helpless, hopeless, you know, that, that we don't belong, that we don't matter, we're not important, and God doesn't, God's, you know, even if God did have a plan for us, that sort of has been long erased off of the board of our life, and someone else has been put in there because, you know, we failed him, we let him down, you know, we doubted ourselves, we made too many mistakes, we screwed up too many times, and then all of a sudden... Now we're just convinced that, that God's not going to work on our behalf. And, and we see in the scriptures that people could have been there in their lives. In Numbers chapter 20, I love this passage. And 
uh, I, I want to share this with you. Numbers chapter 20. It says about God's plan for Israel. They had probably felt forgotten at this point. But we see in, in chapter 20, verse 16, we're just going to read the first half of the verse. It says this, but when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and he sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. He heard our cry and he sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. 400 years of captivity ended by the activity of an angel, people praying, God responding, an angel begins to lead them out. Um, we, we, we see the activity in, in the prophet Elisha's time. Elisha was the protege of Elijah, and if you always get the, you know, Elijah, Elisha, you know, that's how I always distinguish it because people get confused. But the Sha is the younger protege of the Ja, okay? So <laughs> Elisha was surrounded. He's in this valley, and he's surrounded uh, by this great army. And his servant, his servant goes out and looks out of the tent, and he sees this great army. I mean, chariots and horses and armed, trained uh, people ready to just come and take this guy out. And uh, so the servant goes back into the tent and reports what he saw. He says, you know, there's this vast army out there. There's this, it's crazy. We're, we're gonna, about to be attacked. And Elisha, his, his, it's amazing. There's no fear, no, no, no concern. He's just like, Lord, open this guy's eyes. I mean, come on. How long do I have to teach this guy this stuff? But uh, he's like, Lord, open his eyes. He said, because he'll see that greater are they that are for us than those that are against us. And as the, as the uh, servant went out to look, he saw, surrounding the army that was about to attack a greater army, which was an angelic host. It's, it's the army of the Lord of hosts surrounding this, this army. And, and all of a sudden, the fear goes away. And like, yeah, I told you, man. You know, you know, you know how you, all of a sudden you become tough because you got your big brother around you or your dad? That's what I think that's what his servant did. Um, anyway, so, so we, see, we see these stories uh, of God, God allowing his plan to be executed in his people's lives. I'll share one more verse in just a moment. But I remember, you know, I remember, I felt like I was, my life was on the line. I, I was about 19 years old. I was driving on 81. It was the winter time. It was very early in the morning, maybe like 6, 7 o'clock, going to work one day. And I'm driving over past the university and it's sort of all bridge and bridge area, and it, uh, it free, bridges freeze up quicker than roads that are over land, you know? And all of a sudden, this car in front of me, and I can remember it like it was like slow, mo I can remember it vividly to this day. It's like slow motion in my mind. This car in front of me starts to go sideways, and we're moving, you know? And there was no evidence of ice on the roads or anything. And we're, we're moving, this car's going sideways, and and, uh, you know, I'm trying to stop. I, I try and I hit my brakes and I start to slide. Um, and then I hit this car, but it was, it wasn't like this major impact. It hardly even damaged my car. But I knew there were other cars going fast on the road too. And so I, I'll never forget this. I remember grabbing my head because, you know, I wanted to protect my head. They could break my arm. They could break my leg. I want my head intact, you know. <laughs> I remember grabbing my head and I'm, I'm like, 
don't remember the exact word. It was either Jesus or God. And I'm like, God. And all of a sudden, I just felt this little tap on the back of my car. Just this little tap. It wasn't like this major clip. And I knew these cars were flying. I knew these cars were on the move. And just this little tap. And, and I believe, I believe, this is my angel story. I believe that there was some angelic activity there to save my life. Because I, I think I could have lost my life that or been severely impaired. I, I think it was that kind of situation. And it was just this little tap uh, on the back of my car. And, and then, you know, life goes on and everything's okay. And I, I believe that we, we have angelic hosts all around us. I, I, can't, I can't convince you other than share the word of God with you. But this is so important for us to understand that, that we are not alone. That God is for us. And he has, he has angels on assignment to protect us, watch over us, minister to us, strengthen us. And, and, and so he's at work. We see this in Acts chapter 5. We see in Acts chapter 5, Peter's in jail, Peter and John. And we see uh, in verse 19, it says this, but during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. We see something similar in Acts chapter 12. You can reference that. It's a little bit longer of a story. And he said, oh, he says, uh, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. This new life. See, see, angelic activity, they're not, they're not there to be worshipped. They're there to worship Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. They're there to point to him. They're there to help us worship him and live for him and sustain the life that he's called us to, to live and accomplish the ministry that he's called us to accomplish. We, we, don't, we don't want to freak out because, you know, some angel came and talked. I mean, it'd probably be probably freak you out a little bit, but the reality is you don't want to worship them. That we, we celebrate God's goodness, that he would assign them to work on our behalf. So what really, what does this all mean? I mean, why are you talking about angels? First of all, because it's good for us to be aware of what's going on. I, I once heard a story of someone who had a vision or some dream or something that God had showed them. And uh, in this vision, they saw, they saw these angels just sitting there with their arms folded, like checking their watches, like bored out of their minds. And the, and the person that had this vision, I don't even remember if it was a man or a woman. The person that had this vision said, what, God, what is, why are you showing me? What is, what is this all about? And they said that God said, you know what? I have assigned these angels to, to serve my people. But they're not, they're not being sent out. They're not being activated. They're not, they're not accomplishing the work that I designed them to accomplish. They're not, they're, not being, uh, they're not going out and accomplishing my work. They're bored. They're bored. And the reality is, I said this earlier, but it is our faith that activates angel, angelic activity. It's our faith. It's, it's our prayers. It's, it's our declarations. It's... It's the things that we speak out of our mouth that, that causes them to go accomplish something. 
You, you have concerns about the safety of someone? Like my kids are on the road going to Buffalo today, you know? And I said, God, I didn't say, I didn't say angels, go do your work there. No, I said, God, would you, make, would you protect my kids? Would you surround them with your goodness? Would you, would you uh, bring them to Buffalo? They're going to see a Steelers-Bills game. I mean, I had all I could do. I'll just leave it at that. I am a Steelers fan, in case you're wondering. Anyway, uh, but I just want my kids home safely. And I believe that God intervenes, and he probably uses, uses angels to intervene in that way. You, you get what I'm saying? And, and so what, what does this all mean? I, I am convinced that there's an angel, there's armies of angels all around us. We, we may not fully understand. We may not see their activity, but, but being aware of what they're doing, I believe it's important for us to open the door in our relationship with God, for God to use them to accomplish the work that he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. They are sent to serve us. It'd be like you, you having a servant that you pay. A servant might not be the right word now, but someone that comes and cleans your house, you know, or someone who comes and cooks your food, but you never let them do what they're supposed to do. You know, oh, I've got this. Oh, I've got this. You know, don't, don't vacuum. I'll take care of that. Oh, I'm going to cook tonight. You know, and they're just sitting there bored out of their mind, right? And the reality is we have been assigned these supernatural, invisible, spiritual beings to accomplish the work of the Lord in our lives. And I want you to know this, that, you know, um, we meet on Tuesday nights to pray, um, Sunday mornings before service, and we ask that God would do a work in every person's life. We, we ask God, would, would people have... Would you, would you move on people that people would have an encounter with you? Would you heal the sick, that set the captives free, open blind eyes? Would you move? Would you move uh, on behalf of our children, on behalf of the families at our church? Would you move in our city? We have a passion for our city. And, and we say, God, you, do what you want to do. Use your angels. Release your angels if, if that's your, your plan. And we believe that the angelic activity is a part of God accomplishing or fulfilling the prayers that we pray. And you, and you better just know, like as you pray over your children, God's going to probably use angels to do that. Uh, you know? And, and so this is what the Bible teaches us. This is what the Bible teaches us. And maybe you've been closed-minded to it. Or maybe it's just sort of been this fascination that you didn't know anything about. I wanted you to be aware that we have heavenly support. They're sent to help us. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about it and mix way more of the Christmas story in. But, but stay tuned. I believe that there's so much that God wants to teach us as it relates to the scriptures and angels. Would you stand to your feet? I want to close today in prayer. My prayer for you is not only that when you come to church you have an encounter with God, but throughout your life you have an encounter with God. And so uh, I'm going to pray that way, but also I want you to be asking God, what is it that you're saying? What is it that you're doing? What is it that you're saying to me? Because I believe that God wants to speak to us and minister to us each individually as well. So uh, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we, we bless you today. We declare that you're good. Thank you so much, God, that, uh, Lord, we are so significant in your eyes. Thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you have uh, ministry spirits sent to serve us. 
Lord. And we just say, God, do what you want to do in our lives, God. Lord, may we continue to encounter you and the reality of who you are. And may we be an encounter to others. Lord, as we go about our everyday life, Lord, we, we bless you. We love you. I just bless your people today. May they know your goodness. May, may they hear your voice. May your word be alive to them, God. And we give you all the praise, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you.